0: Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and with men. We are glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message.
1: Deuteronomy chapter 30, reading from verse number 15, the Bible says, See, I said before you today, life and good, death and evil. In that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments, his statute, his judgment, that you may leave and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. But if your heart turns away so that you do not hear, and draw away, and worship other gods and serve them, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go in and possess. I call heaven and earth as witness today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and persons. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God and that you may obey his voice, may cling to him for he is your life and the length of your days, that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. Now from this passage of scripture, I want you to notice what the Lord is saying to his people. The Lord is saying to his people, I set before you today life and death, good and evil. In other words, as you enter into the promised land, you are not obligated to serve me, the Lord is saying. You are not obligated to remain connected with me. You have options. That's the first thing the Lord is saying. I said before you, life and death. Number two, the Lord is saying, I have given you the power to choose. You have the power to choose how you want to live when you get into this promised land. You can choose. You have the power to choose. Number three, the Lord is saying, I am telling you that you have options. The power to choose that has been given to you comes with a price tag. The Lord is saying that the price that is attached to the choice that you have, the option to choose that you have, is the price of consequence. In other words, whatever choice you decide to make, whatever direction you decide to go, there will be a corresponding consequences. In other words, the choices that you make will result in a particular outcome. Number four, the Lord is saying this particular outcome of your choices, with these particular consequences that follow each of the choices that you make, you will be forced to live with those consequences. There will be no escaping the consequences of the choices. Whatever choice you make, you will have to live with it. And that is the basic story behind the passage of scripture that we have read. The question is, why was the Lord telling them about the choices and the consequences of those choices? Why? Why was the Lord telling them about the choices and the consequences? I would suggest to you that the Lord is telling Israel about choices and consequences because the Lord wanted his people to know about the provisions he has made available for them. The provisions that he has made available for them. He said, I set before you today, life and death, good and evil. Those are the provisions that you will face when you get into the promised land. Number two, the Lord was telling them about choices and consequences because the Lord wanted his people to know that there are options available with these particular provisions that I've made. You don't have to accept them. You don't have to follow them. You don't have to enjoy them. You can choose to walk with them. You can choose to embrace them, but you have the option. Number three, the Lord is telling his people about choices and consequences because he wanted his people to know that they are responsible for their future in that promised land. In other words, he wanted them to know they were responsible for the outcome of how the promised land eventually relates to them. The Bible says, If your heart turns away so that you do not hear and are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I announce to you that you will surely perish. In other words, you are responsible for the outcome of whatever you do in the promised land. But most importantly, number five, the Lord is telling his people about choices and consequences because he wanted his people to know not to blame any other person for the life that they live in the promised land. In other words, there are options. There are resources and you have the choice to be able to make up your mind. But remember, you cannot blame anybody. Whatever outcome, whether success or failure, whether life or death, whatever happens to you in the promised land is a function of the choice that you made and you cannot blame anybody. In other words, the future that was ahead of them, the new land that they were about to enter, their success or failure in the promised land was entirely up to them and the choices that they make as a nation they cannot blame somebody else for it especially they cannot blame the devil for it what the Lord is saying to Israel is that our lives and the resulting success or failure that accompanies such life is a function of the choices that we make on a daily basis and we cannot blame somebody else for how our life turns out Success or failure is a function of the choices and you cannot blame somebody else for your failures. If you look closely at that Deuteronomy chapter 30, you will notice that Israel was already positioned for success as long as they remained with God. As long as they made a choice to walk with God, as long as they make a determination to remain in the presence of the Almighty God, the Lord is saying that they are already positioned for success. They are already positioned for breakthrough. The land is already theirs for the taking. As long as they remain with the almighty God. He says, see, I said before you today, good and evil. So that you can go and possess the land which you have been given. But if you look closely at that verse number 17 and 18, you will notice that the Lord is saying to his people, your success in the promised land is not automatic. The Lord is saying, your success in the promised land is a function of your choices. I'm guaranteeing success for you. I'm guaranteeing that you are going to prosper. I'm guaranteeing that you are going to multiply and fill the land, the promised land, as long as you remain with me. That is the guarantee the Lord is giving. But if you choose otherwise, that assurance of success is no longer valid. Which means your success in the promised land is not automatic. It's only possible when you remain within the parameters of the covenant relationship that you have with the Almighty God. Your success in the promised land is a function of your choice. The choice of who you want to serve. The choice of how you want to relate with God. The choice of how you intend to work with God. Success is a function of the choices that we make. And that was what the Lord Almighty was telling. And that's what you see in that particular verse of the scripture. And that is why in that same verse 17 and 18, The Lord said that the land is yours for the taking, as long as you are with me. If you choose wrongly, anyhow, if you abandon the Lord your God, then you will perish in the land. That is the condition. You walk with me, your success is guaranteed. You abandon me, you are on your own. You perish in the land. But I want you to notice when he talked about perishing in the land. He did not blame the devil. He did not attribute the destruction of the children of Israel. If they perish in the land. He did not attribute that destruction to the devil. He did not say that you are going to perish because the devil doesn't like you. If you ever perish in the land. If you ever fail in this land. If this land does not produce the result that I have promised you. It is not because I fail to do so. It is because of the choices. That you decided to make. The Lord did not attribute. The destruction of Israel. Or the failure of Israel in the promised land. To the devil. And this is very important. For us to understand. The choices. The decision that Israel will make. In the promised land. Will result in either their prosperity. If they stick with God. Or their destruction. If they abandon God. Not the devil. But their choices. And the same thing is true for us. That's why I'm hammering this over and over. The same thing is true for us. The choices that we make today, the decisions that we make today will result either our prosperity or our failure in the future. I'm not saying the devil is not a problem. I'm only saying that most of our problem is not caused by the devil. The Lord is reminding them about choices and consequences because he's trying to tell them the devil is not your real problem. Your real problem is the choice. That you make on a daily basis. And the question is. What is this thing called choice? And why is it important? Our choice is the power that we have to freely select. Without compulsion. After due consideration. To choose simply means to pick or to select. Between two or more possible options. That are made available to us. Our choices is our preference. For what we consider to be the best alternative. Available to us at that point in time. So you see, choice is the foundation of every action that we take. Anything you do, there is a choice associated with it. And so our success rests on the platform of the choices that we make. The question is, how do people then make choices? How do we make choices? How do we make choices? Who to associate with? What to do? How do we make choices? Generally speaking, people make choices based on their personal knowledge or personal experience about a particular situation. Most of us make choices based on the comfort and the convenience of that particular choice that we're about to make. Many of us make choices based on association. The people that we know who have done the same thing or conformity to be like the Joneses. That's why we make certain choices. That's why we buy certain houses that we cannot afford. That's why we do things that we know that, yes, we cannot afford, but because the other guy is doing it, we make choices to do those kind of things. We spend and we associate. We do the things that we are doing because, number one, of association or conformity. Other people make choices based on the personal gains and the profits that they derive, that that choice will present unto them. So people make choices for several reasons, but very, very few people, even among believers, Very few people make choices based on their principles of life and the value that they claim to expose. Very few people make choices based on love and sacrifice. Because of my family, I am willing to make go this particular direction because I love my family. Very few people make those kind of choices. Very few people make choices based on duty and devotion. Saying because of my love. Or because of my love for God. Because I'm devoted to God. Because this is the duty of a believer. I am willing to let go of certain things. And not go in a particular direction. Very few people make decisions in that way. Very few people. Even in the church. Make decisions based on the word of God. I say this decision, I'm making this decision because this is the, what the word of God says. Or I'm making this decision because this is what the spirit of the almighty God is telling me to do. Very few people do it, even in the church. And it will surprise you that even among pastors, Very few people make decisions based on this. And because many of us are making major life-changing decisions, major life choices based on limited personal or knowledge and experience, what you will find is that many are making bad and very, very costly decisions on a daily basis. Decisions that are costly to their family, costly to their wives, costly to their career, costly to their health, costly to their spiritual life, costly to their eternal destiny. We make it because it's based on limited personal knowledge or limited personal experience. Because many are making decisions based on comfort and convenience. That is why we are seeing a lot of stress and discomfort and missed opportunities in the life of our younger ones. Because all we are interested in is that we are looking at the convenience. We are looking at the comfort of that particular moment. And then we make a decision based on that. I remember one of our professors, when I was doing a graduate program, he was telling us about a story of himself, how he ended up being a, a database professional. And he was talking about the fact that when he got into college, the only thing he was interested in was to take the classes that were most easy. And then he went and took this particular course. His friends who were taking that class, they didn't go to class and they were passing. So he took the class, graduated and found out that by the time he graduated, he was making practically minimum wage. And all the student loans that he had, he could not pay. So he had to realize that this particular course is not working. He made the decision on the basis of comfort and convenience. But the result was that he was not able to feed his family because the wages were not paying. The point you are making is that because many are making choices based on comfort, based on convenience, we are now seeing a lot of stress and discomfort and missed opportunities characterizing the lives of the people because of those choices that were made. Because many are making choices based on what others are doing. We are now beginning to see failures and setbacks. We are now beginning to see people digging themselves into a hole that they are not able to pull out from. My friend bought a house, I have to buy a house. My friend bought a Jaguar, I have to buy a Maserati. We are trying to outdo ourselves because of what we are seeing other people do. And in the process, we dig ourselves into the hole that we cannot get out of. And finally, because many of our people are making choices based on the benefit, the immediate benefit and profit of that particular church, we are now beginning to see that we are opening ourselves, unfortunately and unknowingly, we are now opening ourselves to the enemy to be able to deal with us in a way that we do not expect. The Bible tells us that many people are drawn into sin when they are carried away by their own lusts. When we are lost for gains, we make decisions that at the end of the day, open the door for the enemy to now begin to torment us. That is why we are doing that. God has made us as rational. And relational beings. That is why he gave us the gift of choice. He said that we should be able to make up our mind. The Bible said that when the Lord God Almighty created the animal, he brought Adam in and said whatever Adam called it. That was what it is. He gave Adam the choice. That was why he did not slap his hands when he was about to take the fruit from the tree that he gave him the instruction not to eat. Because we are relational and rational beings. God did not create robots. And because he did not create robots, God will not make the decision for you. He will not make a decision for us. God will not think for us. God will not act for you. God will not make decisions for you. God will not choose the direction that you are supposed to go. He will tell you what to do. The decision is left for you. And since God made us as rational and relational beings, that is why he gave us that gift. Which means that God himself will continue to work with the choices that we make. The only person that can stop God from working in our life is us by the choice that we make. And that is why I want you to understand that the devil cannot force you to do what you don't want to do. Did the devil put a gun to your head to do it? No. The devil cannot force you to do what you don't want to do. The same way God cannot force you to do what you don't want to do. What you must understand is that if the devil can stop you from doing something, he would have stopped many of us from being born again. He puts a roadblock, no question. For the day you say, Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and Savior, the devil cannot do anything about it because that's your choice. And so you cannot continue to blame the devil for the misfortune in your life because the devil cannot stop you from the choices that you are making. The unfortunate is that there are many in the church that the devil has deceived into thinking and believing that they could make a choice and expect a different outcome. They want to eat their cake and have it at the same time. You don't want to exercise, but you want to have your six packs. It doesn't work like that. But the enemy has convinced a lot of us, even in the church, to believe that. Nothing is farther from the truth. The Bible tells us in Galatians chapter 6, if you read from verse number 7, it says, Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that he also shall reap. For if you sow to the flesh, you shall reap to the flesh corruption. But if you sow to the spirit, you shall reap. Life everlasting. The decisions that we'll make, the choices that we'll make, will produce the consequences that are commensurate to that particular choice. The question then is, why is our choice very, very important as the children of God? Why is our choices very, very important? Our choices are important because they produce life or death in the life of a person. They have the power of life and death. Your choices have power of life and death. And that is what you see in verse number 19. He said, I call heaven and earth. Deuteronomy 13, 19. I call heaven and earth to witness today against you. That I have said before you life and death. Blessings and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Choices have power because they have the power of life and death. The decisions that you make today will affect What will happen to you tomorrow? Number two, our choices are important and powerful because our choices determine our success or failure in the future. Number three, our choices are important and powerful because our choices determine our future. The kind of future that we want, the kind of future that we desire is is a function of the kind of decisions that we are taking today. I used to tell people, somebody lives a careless life and then all of a sudden, they have now begin to see the result and then they now make it your own issue. And then you ask them the question, if I had done the same thing that you are doing, who would you have gone to? So the choices that we make determine our future. Number four, our choices are important and powerful because not making a choice is not an option. It is not an option. A lot of people think that because if I don't take a stand somewhere, that means that the fact that you have not made a choice, you have already made a choice. Not making a choice is making a choice. And that is one thing that many believers do not understand. We believe that if we just let it slide, they will take care of themselves. Life does not take care of itself. Somebody has to work it to make it work. And that is why your choices are important and powerful. Because not making a choice is already a choice. And most importantly, our choices are important and powerful because our choices are our responsibility and we live with the consequences thereof. So if you don't want negative consequences, if you don't want to live with regret, if you don't want to live a life that you say, oh, I wish I'd done something differently, then begin to make the right choices today. Because you live with the consequence of your choice. Many in the church are reluctant to make a decision because they are afraid of making mistakes. They are afraid of making mistakes. Number two, they want perfection. They want to be sure of everything before they make a decision. And that is what's resulting in indecisions in the life of our people right now, especially the younger ones. They want everything to be perfect. They want all the eyes to be dotted and all the I's to be crossed before they can make a decision. And that is decision to be indecisive. Many are indecisive right now because of the fear of failure. They are afraid that if I make this particular issue, I might fail. But they forget that failure is a part of the learning process in life. And many are indecisive today because of fear of responsibility. As soon as you make a choice, you have committed yourself to a particular course of action. And you are responsible for that action. And many people don't want to be responsible for anything. So the question is, how do you make a good choice? As a believer, how do you make a good choice? As a student, as a worker, as somebody who is in a family, as a father, a mother, whoever you are, how do we make good choices? We make good choices when we incorporate certain elements into our decision or choice-making process. And the first element or the first factor that we introduce in order to be able to make good choices is the factor of the word of God. The word factor. The word factor. To make good choices, you need to ask yourself, what does the Bible say about this decision that I'm about to take? What does the word of God say about it? What does God have an opinion about this particular thing? If we factor in the word of God, into every choice that we're about to make, into every decision that we're about to make, there is a strong probability that we'll make a right decision. The Bible says in Psalm 119 verse 9. It said, Wherewithout shall a man cleanse his way? He said, By taking heed hereto according to thy word. In other words, A man cleanses his way. A man makes his way right. He makes his choice to be the right choice when he pays attention to the word of God. And that is why I contend that we make good choices when our choices are informed by the word of God. Number two. How do we make good choices? We make good choices when we take into the consideration what I call the prayer factor. Have you prayed about the decision that you are about to make? Have you talked to the Lord about that particular decision? The Bible tells us in Philippians chapter 4 verse 6. It says, be careful for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. In other words, when you talk to God about the decision that you are about to make, This is the direction that I want to go. He said, what do you say? Go, Lord. The Lord will give you direction. And when you consult him, you are sure that whatever direction you take will be the right direction. And that's what happened to David. Bible says David went into battle. When he came back, his family had been taken captive. Before David did anything, he said, Lord, should I pursue? The Lord said, pursue. He said, if I pursue, will I overtake? He say, yes, you will overtake. If I overtake them, will I recover everything? He say, you will recover. That was the only time that David rose up and went after the people that took his family captive. To make good choice, we must commit our choices to the Lord in prayer. You have to factor in the prayer factor. Number three, making good choices requires what I call the revelation factor. The revelation factor. And what is the revelation factor? The revelation factor is that what is the spirit of the Almighty God telling you about this particular choice that you are about to make? The Bible tells us in Deuteronomy 29.29 it says the secret things belong unto the Lord our God but those things which are revealed belong unto us and our children forever that we may do all the words of the law." The secret things belong unto the Lord. If you are about to make a choice of which you don't know we don't know the direction of the future. None of us are psychic. You don't know what tomorrow will bring. And you're about to make a decision that will affect the future. The best thing is to ask the almighty God for the secret things. And that is why one of the elements, one of the factors for making good decision, is to seek the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Which is called the revelation factor. When the Lord opens your eyes, it gives you an idea. Of where things are coming from. And that's what happened to Joseph. The Bible says that the Lord God Almighty gave him a revelation of what was going to happen. The famine that was going to go upon the whole world. And Joseph was able to prepare not only himself, his family, but an entire nation. To weather the storm that is coming. The revelation factor. The factor that is important in making good choices. Number four. You have to have what is called the cancel factor. The cancel factor. Many people who are close to me always hear me say this as a joke. The man who has nobody who can speak to his life, that man is a dangerous man. And if you are making decisions, you are making choices, and there is no input from anybody, it's just you are on your own making those input. there is a strong probability that you are going to make a mistake, or you are going to make the wrong choice. And the question you ask yourself when you are talking about the counsel factor is that: what are other people saying? The people who are close to me, the people that I respect, what are they saying about this particular choice that I'm making? This direction that I'm going. What is your mentor saying about the choice that you are making? What is your wife saying? What is your husband saying? What are your children saying? Godly pastors, what are they saying about the things that you are doing? The Bible tells us in Proverbs 11, verse 14. It says, where there are no guidance the people fall, but in the abundance of counselors, there is victory. I mean, good counselors now. I used to joke about the fact that two heads are better than one. I said, no, 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 no. Two good heads are better than one because there are some useless heads that if you bring them together, they will give you good results. But that's a story for another day. If you are going to make good choices, we have to put in the counsel factor. What are your trusted counselors saying about the choice that you are about to make? Because we make good choices when we listen and seek the counsel and the insights of wise counselors. Number five, making good choices. There's also what is called the motive factor. When we are making good choices, you have to consider the motive when we are making that choice. Why are we doing what we are doing? What is the motive behind our action? What is the motive behind the choice? Are we doing this so that we can glorify ourselves? Are we doing this so that we can look good? Are we doing this for gain? Are we doing this for profit? What is the motive behind it? Proverbs 20 verse 9 tells us, Who can say, I have cleansed my heart, and pure from my sins? Nobody. The Bible says the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? There is a motive behind every action that we take. The question is, you are going to make good choices. We need to be realistic about our motives. Is this motive aligning with the word of God? Has this motive been purified in prayer? Has it been checked through the revelation of the Holy Spirit? Has it been compared with the visions of our counselor? What is the motive? Because if you have not purified the motive, then you are bound to make mistakes in our choices. But to make good choices, we need to be able to. To be honest with our motive. And stop hiding behind lies or deceptions. Number six. Good choices is also a factor of outcome. What I call the outcome factor. When I talk about outcome factor, I'm talking about how long. What is the long-term effect of this particular choice that I'm about to make? What is the long-term effect on my family? The long-term effect on my finance? The long-term effect on my health? The long-term effect on my career? What is the long-term effect of this particular choice on my life? The Bible tells us in Proverbs 27, if you read from verse number 12, it says, A prudent man sees evil and hides himself. The naive proceed and pay the penalty. In other words, a prudent man looks at the consequence of his action. He looks at the length of that particular action. He looks at the outcome of that action over time. And then he takes the necessary precaution to make sure that whatever evil is inherent in the outcome, is able to hedge against it. But if we make a choice without thinking of the larger consequences of it, we end up doing ourselves a disservice. We make good choices when we take the time to consider the long-term effects of our choices, not only on our lives, but on the lives of the people who the Lord has put in our sphere of influence.
0: Thank you very much for listening to our program today.